guess who has a new microphone? Oh yeah! Is it, is it you? Did you get a new mic? It's me! There's a new mic! So if you're listening and it sounds better, it's because I have a new microphone. And if you're listening and it sounds worse, it... <laughs> we, we apologize for that two-month period where Amber's microphone is dying. Um, uh, uh, leave a comment telling me what the worst part of this microphone is. I can like change the colors on it, but I haven't. I don't. I don't know how to do it. It's like a programmable LED, but like there's no menu that comes in when I plug it in. So I don't. Have you tried googling it? Have I tried what? Have you tried Googling it? Like, at Google? Oh, you're you smart. Tried... You should do tech support. <laughs> Listen, you girl boss, I mansplain. <laughs> Together we have a podcast. <laughs> I, um, uh, I haven't put enough work into it to bother Googling it. Um, I think this is right now the most that I have thought about it in the process of doing this. Hey, Devin, what is this podcast? Man, I fucking... This has been two minutes of you just talking about the new mic and being like, I don't know how. <laughs> we have a podcast where Amber doesn't know how to use her mic and I record directly onto my iPad. Welcome, everyone, to original podcast Do Not Steal, a podcast where in every week Amber Autumn and I discuss all of your favorite intellectual properties at length and then create an original character within that space. So, Amber... What property are we talking about today? So this week we are going to be talking about the Hunger Games uh, uh, trilogy, or if you're thinking about the movies, the quadrilogy. Um, I have the book here in my in my hands. So the Hunger Games is a, a novel series, young adult dystopian novel series um, about this uh, girl named Katniss Everdeen who has to, who is forced to compete in the annual Hunger Games, which is a, um, a, a series of death games for children um, that the, like, rich capital puts on in order to suppress all the other districts. And the, the arc of the trilogy is sort of about her going from being, like, a participant in this game to eventually, like, overthrowing the entire political order that allows the games to exist in the first place. Um, I think, uh, obviously, I have some things to, to say about this. I am the one that picked the episode. I I liked it better when it was called Battle Royale. There, I made the joke. I was honestly, that was the other cold open as I was, I was considering, is starting with, like, if you came into this episode just to say, oh, I liked it better when it was called Battle Royale, fucking find a, find a new take. Shut the fuck up. Here's the most vivid memory i have of hunger games let me paint you a picture everyone it was me amber katrina at lunch and amber was like why is this makeup campaign not understanding the themes of hunger games and katrina was like amber some makeup artists try to do a big thing to get and you're like no they don't get the themes of hunger games i am upset and that's the most i remember about hunger games I was really annoying in high school, huh? <laughs> I, I have no excuse. I was annoying in high school. You were annoying in high school, too. I'm not even talking to you, Devin. I'm talking to the audience. You, the listener, were annoying in high school. Yeah, we were all insufferable and terrible gremlins, but yeah, that's, that's where I'm coming from with Hunger Games. Uh, the floor is all yours. Give me your takes, buddy. So, The Hunger Games is sort of three different franchises, like, Frankenstein's together, is, is my, 
my hot take on the Hunger Games. There, so the three franchises that the that consist of the Hunger Games. Sorry, occasionally my mic is losing connection, and I have to uh, pause a second for it to reconnect. It's it's a learning process. So uh, the three franchises in the Hunger Games are one, um, uh, the the Death Arena, right? It's a a death game. You have some kids. They go out in an arena and they have to fight each other to see who survives, and that's like the kind of most famous thing about these these books is the death arena concept, which honestly gets entirely lost by the third book anyway. Like, this raid in the capital is kind of like the third Hunger Games, but it's not. It's not. Um, it's, you know, the, the death games thing lasts for the first and second book. Um, and that's a really interesting part of it. I like the death games portion of it. I have, um, uh, I recently went semi-viral on Tumblr. I made this big-ass Tumblr post. If you're following me in real life, you've probably heard my annoying... Uh, uh, the, the Hunger Games could have had better game design take before, but I think the Hunger Games could have had better game design take for spectatorship. I'm still annoying as a grown-up, by the way. Um, the, the, the second... <laughs> the, the second franchise that consists of this franchise is the Love Triangle. This is the second most, like, famous thing about the franchise, is Katniss Everdeen is in a love triangle between... Gale, what's his name, and Peta Mullark. And they're the two most boring boys in the entire world, and neither of them have any distinguishing character traits to differentiate them from each other, basically until the end of the series, at which point one of them becomes a war criminal, um, which is a, a bummer. Um, and this is, like, one of the or like, uh, love triangles of the era, right? This is, um... <laughs> This is this is around the twilight years, and I would say that's like the the one main love triangle. But this definitely, um, you know, hall of fame. I'll say is is Peta and Gale. As an adult, like viewer slash reader of the experience, um, the love triangle is easily the least interesting of the three franchises that compose this franchise. It's a really bad love triangle. It's totally uninteresting, and it's the thing that everyone remembers. And it's actually sort of interesting that it's the thing that everyone remembers because. In the franchise itself, all of the characters make a lot of take a lot of pain to point out that the entire love triangle is being constructed for the benefit of the audience of the Hunger Games. The 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 rich capital people want to see a love story, so they're giving them a love story. Um, but uh, the like the genuineness of their feelings is sort of left ambiguous, and for a, a large chunk of it. And so, like as a viewer. You are, like, compelled to care about the the love triangle, even though, like, it's kind of a, a little bit of a meta-commentary thing, which takes me to the third and, by far, both least thought about and most interesting part of the franchise, which is the, like, political treatise on, like, viewership and the construction of image within capitalism and its relations to power. Like, the entire premise of the Hunger Games is that it's a it's an arena in which like the entire public is watching these people and they're constructing narratives out of these people in order to like continue like a sense of oppression and the way that Katniss manages to fight the regime the like fight power is by um, manipulating their use of image by broadcasting ideas to the public a huge part of the third book revolves around around Katniss having a camera crew following her around at all times, um, uh, recording everything she's doing, broadcasting everything she's doing. The idea of propaganda, the idea of constructing 
um, ideology. Like it is about constructing like what is normal, um, and and how do you twist the like mechanisms of coercion of propaganda against power itself in a system where power has control of the medium of the broadcast. Um, it's like a really interesting and really bold set of ideas for a like young adult series to tackle. Um, I don't necessarily know that it lands at all, but I have a lot of respect for the chutzpah of trying it all. Um, and it's like never the thing that you hear people talk about. Yeah, as you were talking about the love triangle, my brain halfway remembered. I'm like, isn't that an artifice? Like, in text, it's a fake thing because we're poking at reality TV. And the only amount of discourse... I hate the word fucking discourse. But the only amount of discourse I've heard about Hunger Games is the meme where it goes, It's Battle Royale, but with no political commentary. And as dumb person who did not initially engage with this No political art, commentary like, that is can't insane be to me. True, it's 100% right? <laughs> political commentary. Cover to cover. The second book is called Catching Fire in reference to the beginnings of a revolution against the like political regime. The third book is called Mockingjay in reference to Katniss being cast as the symbol of the revolution against the regime. Yeah, that's not political at all. Why, why are you looking for things that aren't... You ever uh, considered that the, <laughs> sh the, the, the drapes were blue because... That's a fun I have color. thought have about it. It can be both. That? The blue can be a fun color, and blue can sometimes have like a meaning, you know, that you can read into. God fucking damn it. <laughs> so, uh, there's a few different angles that you can go to when making a character here. Um, uh, some of the major players are like you basically have outside of the arena and inside of the arena because outside of the arena. Um, there are a whole lot of people involved in this that we get to see in, like, the media angle of it. We get to see, you know, we meet the president, we meet the game makers, we meet um, the propagandists, the talk show hosts, the costume designers, um, the people who are in charge of, of making the entertainment process go round, and, you know, um, a handful of, of, of people who are just, like, workers who live out in the poorer districts of, of Panem, which is the world that they're in. Um, or you have like within the arena, and in that case, every every game of the Hunger Games has twenty four contestants, all of whom are children, and all of whom have their own like media narratives spun around them that may or may not accurately reflect who they are as people. Um, so I don't. It really depends. Do you want to make like a children who is uh, killing other children, or do we want to make someone who's like a part of the like political establishment in one way or another hmm. okay my initial thought was child murdering child who is kind of bad at the murder part but is very good at the media spin part so someone at the media spin keeps giving them a little bit of advantage that was a thought i had is that anything so this is um an actually really key part of the the rule set of the game is that if you can attract sponsors um, then they can send at great cost little like helpful pieces into little helpful pieces of equipment into the arena for you. So if you you know woo a sponsor, they can send down a spile or a little bit of medicine at like a really important moment for you. 
being bad at killing but being really really good at getting sponsors on your side is a valuable skill set in the game it's not necessarily we would need an extra twist on it is what i would say because so an extra twist you say so let me talk you through um a couple of candidates that we have seen in the game so far um because we've got katniss and her thing um she volunteered for her sister you're allowed to volunteer on like in the games often to get somebody else out of it um and she you know is an archer she's really bad at the like media part of it she's bad at getting people to like her but she has a really good team that helps her through that basically and then through that she becomes like a symbol of revolution because she treats other people in the game um basically as if they're people who are worth something uh the careers there are people who come from the richer central districts who like train for the hunger games and then decide to volunteer when it comes up um it doesn't happen out in the poorer districts but there's like a uh because there's a culture of celebrity around it in the bigger districts, you get people volunteering for it. You've got Foxface, who is sneaky. That's how she survives for most of the thing, is she's clever and sneaky and stays out of everyone's way, which I think is a boring way to survive in terms of a television show, but um, uh, works potentially as an interesting feature on a character in a novel. Most of what we see out of characters in the death arena is their survival strategy and the way that they're able to relate to the audience, because that's the... That's the thing that's relevant to them in that situation. Okay, so I have an idea. And not to be me and say it's stupid, and then also not to be me and be like, this isn't a defense mechanism. I generally think this one is dumb. It's a guy who like, <laughs> volunteered because is like a, a depressed teen and was like, finally, I'll get to die. And then like <laughs> stumble bumble fucks their way into not, and everyone gets real into like the oh my god, he overcame his suicidal ideology. He's like, no, I didn't. What? And just like keeps getting sponsors and the world keeps pointing and be like, this is your story. This is what you did. You're an inspiration. And he's just like, no, stop. I, I also, obviously, the reason that you bring it up isn't so that we can use it whole cloth, but so that I can, I can take it and, and run somewhere with it. I think the idea of like, a character who wants to lose is interesting because it's you could turn that into like a pair of characters who are trying to help the other one win by behaving in like increasingly suicidal ways by taking increasingly huge risks you could do something where you have a character who is a career who is also like politically opposed to the to the hunger games to the capital and you have a character who has trained their whole life to get into the hunger games just because getting into the hunger games gives them a platform and a stage and they've like played along and been like oh yeah i actually want to get into the hunger games because i like the hunger games and i want to win the hunger games and then as soon as they get there they're like okay by the way i'm here to destroy the hunger games uh i'm gonna lose and i don't know maybe kill everyone in the games maybe uh, blow up the arena on purpose something some of the characters here to like make a statement and that ties into the political ends those are those are my two concepts i'm gonna rip off my fancy dumb ya fantasy shirt and wear a red che guevara tee and everyone will be shocked and awed yeah that's <laughs> 
I mean, that's about the level these books are working on. <laughs> I mean, like, listen, they're they're good. They are for teenagers. It's not like, it's not going to be the, the like the most depthful philosophical critique you've ever read in your entire life. They're interesting for what they are. I like them for the audience that they're that they're reaching. Yeah, shout out to young YA fiction. Um, I think I like the the infiltrator, the one who's playing along, pretending that they're pro for the games and then gets in and tries to wreck sure. shop to truly make a hunger games character the other part we need because we've got like their place in the universe we've got the political alignment we've got their relationship to media we don't have an interpersonal dynamic we don't have a love triangle and we don't necessarily need it to be like a romantic relationship but i do think how does their partner feel about the fact that it's like hey buddy you lied to me <laughs> i thought we were i thought we had something <laughs> you're a you're a dirty fucking commie. Their 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 co tribute also presumably trained in the same academy, right? If they're from District One or Two, um, then they they trained in this academy together to be the candidate of that year to uh, be in the Hunger Games, and one assumes that they're very close, and possibly yeah, if they could be um, uh, a romantic connection, or if they just do oh you were my brother and also my biggest rival. I think I think that going with a sense of betrayal would be good. That you have the character be like, okay, I'm I'm turning allegiances. Um, I still love you. I couldn't risk telling you until right now. I want you to join me. And like part of their journey over the course of the games is in like like you have people who would normally team up, and maybe they like had a plan to team up before going into the arena, and then the games start. And suddenly, um, they ha have this conflict, and the their like team up splits up, and the one who is like like our character who we're making, um, uh, has to spend the whole thing getting the other character back, and and trying to like trying to radicalize the other character in favor of their politics. There's an emotional story to be told there, I think. I think because the series already covers uh, a love triangle, I think, uh, uh, you, you are my brother, Anakin! That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking a big, you betrayed me, teary eyes to camera, teen drama, big emotions thing would be uh, less trot ground for the series. And uh, I think the thing both of us are a little more interested in exploring with, uh, with these crazy kids and their crazy hormones. One of them is always a boy and one of them is a girl. That's the way that it that That's works. That's sexist. Um, is you, yeah. Um, the <laughs> the capital is uh, canceled. <laughs> the fucking woke mob is coming for the fictional capital in the Hunger Games. The fascist regime in the Hunger Games is a misogynist. This is super problematic and we should cancel them. Oh, they're treating gender like a binary? That's not very woke of you fascist capitalist dictators who make children kill each other. I don't think you should have as much gender essentialism in your children's <laughs> death arenas. I need rainbow capitalism in my death games. Thank you very much. It's always one boy and one girl and we don't want it to be a romantic thing. So I'm thinking, what if it's like, you know, not to jump the gun on I Ship It, um, uh, but what if they're both gay, um, and it's like a, a situation where neither of them, like, you get to 
easily scratch out the entire it does like three things it's it scratches out the potential for any tension between them you like understand okay nothing's gonna happen there's no romantic tension here they're just bffs it reads it scans very clean two it um uh allows us to uh signpost in our young adult novel that we're being progressive by including queer characters which is the thing that you really want to do in ya novels these days uh more so than you did in 2008 and, and three, I think it gives us something that our characters can immediately have bonded over. This can be like a situation where um, our characters feel very alone in their situation, right? It's a straight and possibly even homophobic place in District 1 or District 2. Yeah, I agree. This gets the full seal of approval. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, Every point you made, correct. I agree. <laughs> Gay allies here. <laughs> Joke's not fucking... as funny if you don't know that we're gay. Like if you're... <laughs> yeah, you don't know. <laughs> as I stare at my fucking target pride overalls, and you're just like, or Allah. You have target pride overalls? I do. I have the target pride overalls. Here's a fun fact about them. I wore them to D&D, uh, and Adam was like, oh, is that like Undertale? And I was like, no, Adam, this is because I'm a <laughs> Yes. I, I, I don't know enough about Overtale to continue that bit. <laughs> but yeah, we're uh, we're super woke. Um, please give us all the social cachet that comes with being part of a marginalized group. You get so much of it. Um, please drown us in Patreon dollars. <laughs> so why is our why is our character radical? I guess you have like they're growing up in this extremely um, socially conservative place where. They're, like, at the center of power, right? They are... They have everything to gain from allying with the capital. Um, but they don't want to. They want to tear the whole thing down. What's causing that? Because I'm thinking of uh, the night that Goldman spoke at Union Square from Ragtime. My favorite musical. And I think this this kid always felt kind of dejected and hollow, despite being surrounded by luxury and success and power. And was just kind of wandering, as you are, as I imagine you are free to do with the luxuries that come with living in the upper echelons. Which is kind of wandering, and heard someone uh, speaking some real firebrand shit. Just heard heard that fucking speech from Andor. Which one? Any of them. All the speeches from Andor will make you want to blow up a pipe bomb. Uh, and then was like, holy shit, I feel something. I think this is true. I think they just heard some revolutionary text and were like, "Oh, I can, I can fill the void in my whole, the <laughs> that hole in my soul can be filled with this, and I have meaning for the first time in my life. I'm in love with ideology. No, boyfriend, don't kiss me. I have to write about wealth redistribution. And also, like, if you know he's gay, uh, there are ways in which he would understand that the system." is mean to him personally. <laughs> like, he can first-hand experience his ways in which these power structures are harmful, so he doesn't super drink the Kool-Aid that's like, man, I can't wait to be old enough to go kill other teenagers. This could be fucking poggers, bro. His best gal pal, what's she like? What's her, uh, what's her personality type? Almost unrealistically perfect. 
she was absolutely bred in the lab to be good at these games, and I think that that includes um, being good with sponsors. I think that she is um, unbelievably charming, laugh a minute, um, uh, smiles across the entire room, very sociable, very good at making friends with people. Also can kill you stone dead in half a second, but like doesn't often show it off, very unflashy about it. Like that's how we get you on the side of this heartbreaking conflict is you like understand how this character is is incredible and how our our guy um, really admires her. And I think as a as a follow-up to that, I think she's diabetic and hasn't let that on to fucking anybody. I think that she like she doesn't wear a pump on her or anything. She's like really hiding it. And like he administers her insulin and like helps her with tests. Like they like they do that together in private, in secret. Um, and so when they go into the arena, um, like he has figured out some way to like synthesize the insulin. He like knows how to make that from his the natural environment through some super science bullshit because he has done a lot of research on it and knows how to fucking turn coconuts into insulin or whatever. Like she sort of needs him for that. So he like feels a lot of responsibility for her. And that's one reason we can like keep them together. I wonder if we can come up with also a reverse version of that. So they sort of like very much need each other. Yeah, make them codependent. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Okay, I'm not in love with this idea, but tell me if you can work with it. My thought was, what if he has like, I forget that word, but when your equilibrium's a little off and you have like occasional dizzy spells and you have struggling like like balance issues, and so Vertigo? like she literally holds him up. Yeah, vertigo. And so that's why, like, they're always really close in the media things. But, like, oh, she's, like, literally holding him in place so he doesn't fall over. Maybe that's a thing? Is that is that anything? Oh, wow. I think that's something. Like, he's got some kind of a neurological condition, and he can hide it. But it is going to get worse over time, and um, he does need help with it. But he can't, like, let other people know that he has it because that's, you know, showing weakness and you yeah, don't want to do then that. All them other murder kids know how to murder you super hard. So then what that lets you do a bit of is that lets you do, like, uh, the entire thing is about it being televised and is about the, the, the spectacle of it. Um, this kind of becomes about um, a disability and about the, like, disguising of disability. It becomes about... Um, they both have a disability and both of them need to figure out how to navigate it so that while being televised 24-7, they can communicate about their disability and treat each other's disabilities while the cameras are on without ever letting anyone in the audience know what's happening. And then that, like, lets us lean into, like, the spectatorship and politics angle of it, um while also giving them, like, some unspoken secret that they are both continuing to choose not to say out loud and reveal to anyone. Wow, we made some disabled gays. Look at us. We're basically the Barbie movie. <laughs> Neither of us have seen it yet. We're both seeing it this weekend. But, but it was made to satisfy the woke mob and emasculate <laughs> men and lift up woke feminist women, Amber. This joke is going to be really dated in like three <laughs> this months episode when the comes out. Episode comes We're out. We're really bad about that. <laughs>
what's their murder plans? What have they been training for all this time? I'm thinking punji pits. I'm thinking traps. I'm thinking schemes. What are you thinking? I kind of like the idea that they have very, very different strategies. Like, one of them is thinking pits and schemes, and the other one is like... You know, I'm thinking... You said, you know, made in the lab, built for this. I'm thinking, you know, Hit Girl, right? Just hyper-competent and doesn't have, like, a signature weapon. Just, like, whatever it, like, is... what A rock's next to me? Guess who's getting killed with this rock? You, because you're in my way. Oh, there's some vines here? I can use this to choke you. Oh, what's that? I found a... Trying to think of another thing you would see in the forest. I found some bark. Guess who's getting splinters in their eyes? I took one of those glasses from the fancy thing and I crushed it. And now I have a bunch of shattered glass that I'm going to throw in your eyes and then punch you in the face. Now you can't even see me. I I don't have... Like a very... A, she's a John Wick killing machine. Anything can yes. be a weapon. John, thank you. John Wick. There we go. John Wick hit girl. I like the idea that that's her, that in, like, a physical contest between the two of them, she would kill his ass instantly if it were on even ground. And he, his deal is that he never lets it be on even ground. What is his plan, I guess, is my ultimate question. He's in the arena to, like, make a statement, but it, that might not be his goal. Although I think it's kind of interesting if he is trying to destroy the whole thing and it doesn't work. I'm trying to think of something that isn't just the ending to Black Mirror, wherein your revolutionary action just gets subsumed. I was thinking of the same moment. Yeah, but you, we're trying to do something different, right? Because that's that good ending, but that already happened. What if uh, they're the last two, and he's like, I refuse. I, I simply refuse. I won't do it. These games are stupid, and we can prove that. And she goes, no, fuck you. And then she offs herself. Like, no, you don't get to not do the games. You don't get to ruin this for me. I'm ending this on my terms. And you're going to feel sad about it. Is that anything? It is something. Cause it, so the way, that the, first, the way that the first book ends is sort of an, an echo to that. Um, in, in that instance, it's uh, the, the two of them are the last ones left as, as her final resort. Katniss says, okay, um, we are both going to eat these poison berries. We're both going to die. And that's like her gambit. She's going to, she bets that the game makers won't let that happen. And sure enough, she's right. They decide to both eat the berries. And as soon as they both try to do that, the, the announcer is like, wait, 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 don't do that. No, you can both be fine. You can both live. Like the weapon that she uses is, is using like the system against itself. As soon as she like, as soon as she doesn't assume that the rules of the system are real she can win that's like how she wins is by assuming that the rules are made up by people and those people's interests can be bent um and i i like the idea that it's a very similar situation at the end of this one where there are two and because you dear viewer dear you know fan fiction reader or whatever have read the first hunger games you know that there is a solution to this puzzle um, but they don't take it. They don't have the like same level of imagination to take it. Um, and so they get a tragic ending instead of the happy one. I really feel like we made some authentic Hunger Games characters. Uh, yeah. It just, it just feels like we had all the things we needed to hit. I, I, I pretty much think we have. Um, do we want to ship it? 
I, I think we already... I mean, let's leave some room for the stinger. But I kind of feel like we... Because we've discussed their their sexuality. Uh, I guess, do we have any feelings about who the fandom would ship these these guys with? They ship him with Finnick O'Dare. Um, just because everybody was really horny for Finnick O'Dare. And he, we know that Finnick is a contestant in a previous Hunger Games. Um, although Finnick wins his Hunger Games, so I guess we, we, it can't be Finnick's year. It has to be a year that we, we haven't seen any characters from, but, uh. Well, now we have to name them. It's true, we do. Every name you have said so far has been fucking stupid. Yeah, that's That's what I've noticed about Hunger Games names. I'm gonna go with... Dinar and Elfie. Which one is which? I don't know. You decide. You're the Hunger Games fan. Um, great. Arbitrarily, uh, she's Janar and he's Elfie. All right, there we go. Janar and Elfie, the the careers. The careers. What do they look like? What do? people from the first and second district tend to look like i've been imagining like white blonde kids because rich people yeah sort of basically do we just say that they're white blonde kids i want to give him some type of like you know red scarf kind of because you know i made the joke of like riffs off thing he's wearing a, a che Guevara shirt and uh, you know just something just like a little a little bit there's like he has a color flourish that is a signifier of like a revolutionary idea that's a like motif throughout all of his costumes even in the not like battle stuff and like his suit he's got a little handkerchief with the red like the red is a motif that carries throughout i like I'm, that i'm re-saying this fine word again but yeah there we go just just a little something yeah and i'd like to give a little something to her in the same vein i don't know if this would necessarily work but maybe she also has a red but it's in like like his is a natural red like a cherry and hers is a very like artificial red because he's going against the grain. He he believes in a revolutionary ideal where she has drunken the Kool Aid, but they are a unit who are stronger together, so they have the same color. Same but different. I like that. I have no notes. That's yeah, let's use that. Are we at one fun I fact think we're a fun piece? Oh wait. Item. Chekhov's oh, list oh of bullshit. Oh my god, you're so right. I'm a fool. I kind of think that whatever we pick should be related to whatever their um, their media strategy is. Like, what's the narrative that they sell to the capital? Ooh, okay, I have an idea. I'm looking at Dark Pact, and the Dark Pact is they both, at the start, promise to win it together. But that means something different to the both of them, because they're not being honest in this moment. And so they promise to win it together. And he's like, yeah, like last winner. No, no, no. He says like, we're going to be the last ones. And in his mind, he's like, cause I'm going to, I'm going to break the game. I'm going to break the system. And she's like, yeah, one of us is going to win. And so when you get to the ending, uh, they're the last ones. And he's like, I'm going to break the system. And she goes, no, we're the last ones. One of us is going to die. And she, they both fulfill their pact. That's a good. That's a good little bit of foreshadowing. Yeah, and that—that's a character right there. There we go. One fun fact a piece about both of them, or one of them. I think one fun fact a piece collectively. I think 
this podcast is very often said that men uh, say are straight, but then sucky fucky dudes behind closed doors. I think this is our first lady who says is straight to the public, but sucky fucky ladies behind closed doors. So your your thing is basically just that she's not out. Is that's my out? fun fact. Hmm, that's interesting. Is it a heteronormative society in the Hunger Games? Would that mean something? It doesn't really it doesn't really come up in the original books. Would it mean something if he said I'm gay, I'm new in town, and I have AIDS? <laughs> I think there is something sort of emotionally and politically meaningful with the idea of both of them being in the closet. I want to keep both of them in the closet because I like uh, their connection outside of, like, growing up around each other and being, like, you know, uh, childhood yeah. friends to rivals. Also, it's like the keeping the secret. There's an emotional core between these. Like, the only two people they can be themselves around are themselves, and even then, not really, because he's not being fully honest about his intentions. I, I like keeping that angle. I think that her mom had previously won a Hunger Games. I think her mom was a previous winner. Mm. And so she, like... And and I think both of them like spent a lot of time around her mom. I think that you know you get a lot of references it over to it over the story, but you get the sense that like he is really amazed by this like woman who had to go through this horrible thing because he like kind of sees her as like a grown up person who went through something she shouldn't have had to go through. Whereas with her, it's like, oh, that's you know that's my mom. Like you get the sense that that's how her mom coped with it was by was by becoming proud of of making it through, and so um, you, you you get the sense that that's where she gets her politics from and she inherits it from like her mother's cope of the situation. That's a really good one. That's off to you. Well, I think this may have been an episode of original podcast. Do not steal. Ah, it certainly does feel like an episode. Join us next week when Amber tries in vain to get us to talk about Gem and the Holograms. But actually, what are we going to be talking about, Amber? Oh, I'm so excited to announce that this that you just finished listening to um, has been episode number 99 of the podcast. And so next episode, we're going to do something that we um, we set up a little while ago. Um, uh, at one point uh, earlier in the season, Devin, you asked me, which franchise I thought was the most important franchise in our friendship. And I said Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. And so for the 100th episode, not only are we going to talk about Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, for the first time in the history of the podcast, we're going to be in the same room as each other when we record it. Oh my gosh, isn't everyone excited for us to talk about Sam Raimi's Spider-Man? I'm excited to talk about Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. It's going to be so fun, guys. It's going to be so fun. My name has been Amber Autumn, she, her. I've been Prince Devin, he, him. Our music is by Kyla Alicia, whose work you can find at hollowrib.bandcamp.com. Thank you for joining us. Please feel free to leave us a like, leave us a comment, leave us a five-star review like Joss284, and head over to our merch store um, where uh, we'll be selling... Oh, fuck, I didn't come up with a funny one here. I don't know, fascism. We'll be selling fascism. That's not hard to do. <laughs> Shockingly easy to do, actually. And very profitable. <laughs> That's why we started selling it. 
we will be selling you Patreon. No, what's that fucking shitty right-wing version of Patreon? I don't remember. We'll be selling you Patreon subscriptions to Stormfront. <laughs> we love you very much. Bye. Bye.